Hello, welcome back to the Matt Pfeiffer Experience. I am your host, Matthew Pfeiffer, and today we have on a very special guest. We have on Lindsay Wheeler, and she is from Your Estate Planning. Her and I bumped in on social media, and you guys know how I am. I like bringing people on that I would recommend to other people or that, or that I would use myself. And for those of you who have followed me for a while, and if you've listened to this podcast for a while, you might say to yourself, well, Matt, why do you have an estate planner? on your podcast because most of the time we're talking about toxic relationships or divorces, but how many of you have experienced some sort of financial abuse or even if it wasn't necessarily financial abuse um, before or after your toxic relationship or after your divorce, it was, uh, it, it was pretty strenuous trying to recover yourself financially. And so we're going to be talking about how to, uh, how to, establish your estate properly, how to protect your, your children from financial ruin, from, from you know, how to set up wills, how to uh, essentially create uh, financial wealth, not only for you, but for upcoming generations. So with that, that being said, I'm going to toss it over to our expert, Lindsay. Welcome to the show. Uh, tell us a little bit, about, bit of, little bit about yourself and how did you get started? Hey, so I'm Lindsay. I'm with YourEstatePlan.online and I'm also with Hysier Legal. We are based primarily in Nevada. However, we do estate planning throughout the nation to make it easy and affordable for people to have their estate plan online because it is an important thing that I think a lot of people don't think about either until they have to personally go through it or it's too late. So um, I went to law school, so you don't have to is what I always say. And um, but I just don't give legal advice or represent, which I prefer because I like to educate everyone to learn more about estate planning and how it fits into their life without me telling you how it fits into your life because it may not. So that's primarily what I focus on. So uh, this might sound like a silly question, but uh, I, we ask silly questions here because just like you said, I like asking silly questions so other people don't have to. But uh, I don't want to assume that people know what estate planning is because a lot of people will say they know what it is, but they're just trying not to embarrass, embarrass themselves. But what is estate planning? If you had asked me this a couple of years ago, I would have told you that, like, you know, I would have thought estate planning was, you know, an estate sale where, you know, they're selling someone's estate, you know, and, you know, basically long story short, like a garage sale, because we have those all over the place in the summer here in Texas. So uh, tell us a little bit, a bit about what um, an estate planning is and why it's so important. Perfect. Yeah. So estate planning is kind of that. You're planning your life. You're planning it for why you're alive, when you become incapacitated, and when you pass away. So it's a full plan. What goes into that is typically the revocable living trust. And you might hear that on socials. You might hear that be popped around sometimes. Get your trust, get your trust, because it provides that protection. And what it's doing is essentially you are handling your probate or your afterlife decisions and some zeroing of your life ahead of time, which is great because we're not having a guest going to court, going to the probate process. And so that's what the probate process is. It's it's society's checks and balances for dead people's things because we don't want somebody just walking in and taking someone's stuff or thinking that they're entitled to it when they may not be. So that's where we always think of, oh, I have a will, I'm gonna, I'm set, but a will is only the roadmap to follow through the probate process through the court process. How we avoid probate, because it's a nasty, messy thing, it takes at least a year. That's usually the fastest you can push a probate through. So all of your assets are being locked down for an entire year. Think about that. If you have children, you have heirs, you have a spouse that needs to be taken care of, those assets are not going to be available for those people for at least a year for the most part. 
there's expenses, you're having to hire attorneys, you're having to go through this process right after somebody's died. Like, that's traumatic all on its own. And now you're going to have to go to the court and you're just like, oh, God, what am I doing now? So that's where we avoid that whole messy process is with that estate plan and particularly with that revocable living trust. So the trust is kind of like a family business in a really weird way because you are transferring to you your stuff through the trust. So it's like a you're forming a business for yourself and you're now the, the, the CEO and the manager of your assets through the trust. And that's how it avoids probate. With a full estate plan, however, it's not just that. We have powers of attorney in there for when financial decisions or medical decisions, if you're incapacitated, what happens to you, what happens to yourself if you're incapacitated, who takes care of you at that point. And then when you do pass away, because spoiler alert, it's going to happen to all of us. I hate to let you know that, but um, you're going to be prepared or your loved ones are going to be prepared. And instead of after you pass away, them going, oh, God, we have to go to the court now and digging through paperwork literally after you've died, they can take a minute, they can breathe, they can grieve your loss and go, okay, everything is going to be taken care of because you've taken care of it ahead of time for them. And that's honestly, a lot of us don't want to think about dying because it sucks, but it's really not for you. It's a gift for your loved ones is what it is. One of the things uh, I want to give my therapy background disclaimer real quick. Um, because as you're saying that, there's a piece that I think on the on the therapy side that people need to know. Um, so and that that really overlays with with everything that, that everything that you're talking about. The reason why this is so important in terms of for your loved ones, you have to understand that. What you hear me say this on on this podcast all the time: the true test of a relationship is not when everything's going well; it's when there's bad times, when things aren't going so well. And when someone passes away, even though your relationship with your with your ex, with your significant other, with your kids, with your family might be fine while you're living, once things go wrong, when you're not around, when people are are when emotions are high, when people have disagreements, all of a sudden, those relationships that for you while you're alive might look fine and look completely normal all of a sudden can completely go sideways when people are having discussions on what to do with your house, what to do with, uh, I mean, it can get down to what to do with your pets, what to do with your furniture, what to do with, um, and it's not even, it's not even always about one person or a few people trying to keep it or dividing it up, but what they thought that you wanted to do with it. And so these type of situations, and I've worked with, I can't tell you how many how many people or how many families I've worked with uh, that uh, that these things have torn families apart, uh, or you know, new significant others, you know, stepmoms, stepfathers who feel that they are and sometimes they are entitled to certain things, and the family who, uh, even though that person may not may have only been married into the family for you know a few short months or a few short years. You know, uh, and the person who was married to them thought that that person would was trustworthy enough to divide things up the way uh, that they wanted to. But just like I was just mentioning, when when things hit the fan, all of a sudden, you know, people's sometimes true colors. And I say true colors it doesn't necessarily mean that they're a bad person. Sometimes they really truly feel that that's what is in everyone's best interest, and uh, so it's. It's always in your best interest to plan that one of my favorite sayings and my favorite quotes is uh, um, 
a person who fails to plan is planning for failure. And so it's better to set your friends, your family, your loved ones up for success rather than that, that failure. But I'll, I'll let you give your thoughts on that. Yeah, absolutely. Especially, you know, in this day and age, we all go through relationships, we go through divorces, we go through, you know, we have children from other relationships. And, you know, we want to think that that person's going to take care of the things that we hope they're going to, but oftentimes they don't, or they don't understand, or they're taking their spin on it. And so it's, I feel it's very important if you have a blended family, which a lot of people do, let's be real, um, that you're able to provide and protect your your children from previous marriages, you know, because your new spouse might be the wonderfulest, greatest person in the world, but I always say the best in people come out when people pass away. And it's it's just kind of our human nature, unfortunately. And that's where estate planning is wonderful because you can put those parameters in there that upon your death, you know, your assets, your separate property gets separated out. It gets distributed to your children accordingly to your wishes that, you know, the, the new spouse can't, you know, mess with it essentially or cut them out. Um, so there are, there are mechanics for doing that within an estate plan, which is really great. And also for providing for your underage children as well. I think a lot of people don't understand that if you pass away and <clears throat> say you're you're estranged from your spouse and your kids are underage, they'll automatically typically go to that spouse. But you can put guardianship nominations in there. And that is very important because you may not want your next of kin taking care of your children. You might want your best friend who's been your neighbor since you were 12 to raise your children. You can put that into your estate plan. That's a guardianship nomination. Also, what's super cool in estate planning, and it's a really kind of messed up thing to think about, is that you can still raise your children from beyond the grave. And what we do is we put parameters in there for our underage children that, you know, say at only at 18, they only get a certain percentage for maybe school. Um, at 25, they get another certain percentage to continue their education or buy a house. And at 30, they can, you know, maybe get the rest of the distribution because they're hopefully responsible at that. Without that, all that money or all the things that you've accumulated will go into a block trust account for those underage children. And at 18, they'll get all of it. And I don't know about you, yeah. but if I got a substantial amount of money at 18, I'm getting a Lamborghini. So <laughs> that's how. And not, it's not even just that. It's not even one of the things. Uh, and uh, so um, it's, it's not just you protecting your kids from them making those type of decisions of buying a Lamborghini. You have to protect them from people who see them as a target would use right. them who know and realize that they have assets they know know that they realize that they have money uh and could a use them could be you know um you know just put them put them in in bad predicaments because as hard as it was to build that wealth for your children it can be gone and i've, I've worked with people where it was just gone in the matter of months after someone passed away because they they didn't layer it out and they didn't they didn't protect them the way that Lindsay's describing. Yeah, yeah, it happens a lot, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. What what would you recommend? Now, uh, what are some ways? Some of the things that I've heard of ways that people uh, kind of protect their their loved ones is by putting parameters on it by saying things like it can't you know they can take up to a certain amount out per year um, after a certain age they can. Um, you know, but there's certain limits that they can take out or it's unlimited if, uh, if it's for medical expenses or, you know, they can take out X amount if it's for, 
uh, for a home or for a business? Um, you know, what, what are some parameters and how does that, how does that work? And, is that, and, and also, is that something that you would recommend? Absolutely. I think it's great. The more thorough you can be and the more informative for your successor trustee, and that's the person who manages it. We always think that we hear the term executor. That's typically for a will, but yeah. in a, in trust land, we call it a successor trustee. So your trustee is going to be your manager of your business, essentially. And they're going to follow those instructions that you have provided for. And you can put exactly those parameters. I've had clients who go completely, you know, drill down and they're like, you know, if my child gets all A's in college, they get an additional bonus from the trust. If they get C's or below, they'll owe the trust money, which is kind of fun. You know, you can really put your personality mm -hmm. and how you feel is best to raise your children instead of just us guessing afterwards, frankly. And so um, that's that's one of the most beneficial things of a revocable living trust, especially if you have underage children, is putting those parameters in there to make sure that they are taken care of, that you're setting them up for that generational wealth and that, you know, people aren't going to be able to come in and take advantage of that because you have it set and pretty locked down. So nobody can just come in and say, oh, I'm going to, oh, I love you so much, baby. I'm going to take, I'm going to take care of you and then take your entire, you know, your state, you know, and your inheritance. So that people suck, frankly. <laughs> so really? avoid it and mitigate suckage. Let's do that. And that's, that's a good way to do it through that state plan. Something I hear on social media all the time and it gets shared out and it's really popular. And I also hear both sides of the coin, some saying that this is not true, some people saying that this is 100% true and everything in between, is to add life insurance within the trust. And that basically you can use the trust essentially as your own independent bank um, because of the life insurance that's within the trust. Is that something that's uh, is is that accurate? Is that not accurate? Like what what's um what is the the real story behind behind that? And is that something you would recommend? Yeah, and, and a lot of this is personal preference, and that's what's cool about it is it's what's best for your life and your situation. Some people that might not be the best situation. Um, other people it is. Life insurance is a wonderful thing, and if you have underage children, you should automatically usually have life insurance. Let's be real. Um, you own a, own a business, life insurance again, because you can cover those expenses. And the life insurance works really well with that estate plan, because if you do have underage children, if you're not around, can they cover the mortgage? Probably not. But if you have life insurance, you can have it set up to where you maybe pay off that family home and your kids are able to stay there. You're setting them up for success throughout their childhood and then when they become adults as well. So, yeah, oftentimes we do work very closely with that estate planning Um and that life insurance as well. So for someone who's listening to this and they're saying to themselves, I've heard this before, you know, I hear you and all of these things are important. Um, what's step one? Where do they go? Who, you know, how do they find a trusted trustee that they can actually trust? Um, and like, what, what would step one be like? So I would say step one, just educate yourself. I'm a big proponent of that. I want people to be educated. I want them to make their decisions. So there's a lot of good information on there. Um, a lot of nonprofits, a lot of the local courts as well have a lot of information out there. So just getting educated is the first step. I provide a lot of education, I think. Um, great education on my stuff, on my socials. Just getting people aware of what's going on and kind of what their options are and what will be best for them. So that's usually step one. Um, from there, you know, I have a good questionnaire book because it is overwhelming. It is a lot to think about and you don't know where to start. So I have a nice little workbook that you go through and think about things of, yeah, who do you want to manage these things? Who do you want taking care of your kids? 
They might not be the same people who, while you're alive, but maybe incapacitated, who would do your financial decisions. Who's going to make those medical decisions for you? Those are big, heavy things to think about that we don't normally think about on a day-to-day unless you're doing this kind of stuff like I do. So I kind of help people walk through those kind of decision-making so they kind of have an idea of what we're really looking for. Um, Mm -hmm. And then from there, you know, when you choose the people who are going to manage your life for you, we hope that they're going to be the best person. You know what I mean? Very trusted, very honorable, you know, somebody who's going to, you know, take care of your wishes. And that can be tricky sometimes, you know, because we hope people are going to do the best. But the, the good thing about it is that they still have to follow the wishes and the directions of your estate plan. They can't make their own own rules up. They can't make up what they think is best. They have to follow what you've already put down. So you can have an independent person. You can have, um, we have, there's professional trustees as well. If you don't really have anybody that you trust or like, um, that will absolutely follow it to the letter because they're required to by law. So that's where it's. Well, one of the questions, uh, one of one of the questions that uh, I think a lot of people have is what happens if something happens to the trustee? So, yeah, so I always go three down. So if your first trustee is not available, who would you be, you know, second in line? If they're not available, who's third? If they're not available, who's fourth? You can put that in there. Um, and, and that's advisable because, you know, bad things happen to people, unfortunately, and they may not be available. What's really cool about the revocable living trust is it it's amendable. So say you put Joe Smith on there and 10 years from now, he gets a little weird and you're like, ah, I'm not really cool with him anymore being my trustee. You just amend it. You put your new trustee in there. And that's what's cool about it is it flows with your life and your circumstances as well. Uh, and uh, so you recommend a revocable trust versus a revocable trust. And can you kind of explain a little bit about, about the difference? So a revocable living trust is exactly that. It's revocable, it's amendable, you can change it, it flows with your life. An irrevocable trust, there are there are reasons to have one. Those are more limited. Um, most people do not have mm, good, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They're not usually advisable for most people in most normal circumstances um, because they are exactly that. They're irrevocable. So you are making decisions that you are setting in stone forever. For the most part, um, that's why the the revocable living trust is good because it flows with you and you're able to make those decisions because life does change. Let's be real. And a good example of where an irrevocable trust can be problematic is we had a, a client. He left a he did really well for himself. He had a four hundred thousand dollar account that he wanted to leave to his son. He put it into an irrevocable trust, thinking that's going to be beneficial and helpful. And, you know, a couple of years later, the kid got, like we talked about, weird and became estranged and became pretty mean. And unfortunately, when that man passes away, his child's going to get that $400,000, even though he didn't want him to anymore, because it was set in stone with that irrevocable trust. There are reasons for it, but they're very, very minimal. And usually they're tax advantages for people with substantial, substantial estates. Uh, typically, for the most of us normal people, maybe we have a house, we have some cars, we got some investments, we got some bank accounts. Uh, maybe a, a rental, then the the revocable living trust is usually the most advisable. But again, totally up to you and what fits your circumstances. Um, and uh, the the other piece is uh, how is there a way to kind of keep the the trustee? Uh, I don't want to say accountable, but. Uh, are there any transparency that, that you get with, with uh, having a trust? 
you know, yeah. I'm thinking of, you know, people, I think there's a lot of fear for people who may not have, have ever done any type of estate planning. You hear all the horror stories of how people have given people their money and then, you know, they go back, you know, 10 years, 30 years later and it's gone. They were just basically handing it off to someone, you know, how would someone know that, that there might be something wrong and that might be the case or uh, how would they avoid it altogether? So, yeah, so with estate planning and the revocable living trust, you're still in control of everything. You're still managing everything. You're not giving that away. When the successor trustee comes in is when you're either incapacitated and unable to make those day-to-day decisions for yourself or you're not here anymore. And so, and from that point, that's when the trust locks down and becomes irrevocable because you're not here to change anything. And now we're going to follow your decisions to the, to the letter. So and there are mechanics within the within the trust for those checks and balances. Um, as a beneficiary, you have a right to challenge that. You have to act within a fiduciary manner. You have to make sure that you are on the up and up, of course, managing this. And if there are any issues, there are mechanisms for to go to court to file with the judge to make sure that everything is on the up and up. But for the most part, during your lifetime, you're still managing your stuff. Nothing changes with that. You're not giving that control away. Only when you're incapacitated or not not with us anymore does that, chan- that, that change. Um, oh, I forgot what I was going to ask. Sorry about that. Um, when it comes to and the, the other question I was going to ask is, um, what are some other things that you can actually put within the trust? You mentioned, you know, putting in like, uh, putting in a business, uh, what are some things that you would recommend putting in? Uh, we, we talked about life insurance. We talked about wills. Uh, what, what are some other things that you, that you would recommend putting within that trust? All right. So, yeah. So with think about this. So when you pass away again, society wants to make sure that your stuff's protected. So they're going to lock everything down. So when someone passes away, mm-hmm. bank accounts get shut down. Credit cards get turned off. Um, you can't sell a vehicle. Uh, your investments get shut down. You can't process, you know, sell a house or anything like that because we want to protect those things. So anything that you can think of that would be locked down if you weren't available should go into the trust, either physically transferred into the trust or is the designated beneficiary on your accounts or whatever asset it is as the trust. And so that's what people get stuck with a little bit sometimes is that just creating this estate plan or just creating your revocable living trust is not enough. After you've done that, that's step one, hooray, good job. But now you have a very nice paperweight. From there, now you need to physically transfer your assets. You have to give these, uh, these agencies the authority or let them know that you're okay with when you're not here, these things going where they need to go. So that's where we usually typically will transfer the, our properties, our houses. And I have a lot of people think, oh, well, I have a mortgage on my house. Well, yes, almost all of us have a mortgage on the house because I don't know about you, I don't have 500K to go blow on a house. Um, so that doesn't change your mortgage. It doesn't change your, your loan or anything like that. You're just transferring the actual property to your trust now. So you're managing again, like a, like a business, you're managing your house through your trust. Same thing with your bank accounts. Typically, we'll put the successor or the um, designated beneficiary as the trust on those accounts. So if you're not here, your successor trustee would go to those agencies, to your bank and say, hey, they passed away. Here's the death certificate. The bank goes, great, no problem. We're going to go ahead and open that trust account now. And all of those assets are going to go into that trust account for you to now manage as a successor trustee because you're the new manager of those assets. Same with vehicles. Um Titling, you know, anything that you own a title to should typically have yeah. the trust be now the owner of those assets. 
Uh, so now that uh, I think that a lot of people who are listening to this might be thinking to themselves, okay, Lindsay, I have, a, I have a trust or they're going to get a trust. Um, but they've also been through a divorce. How do trusts work within a divorce? And that, I know, I know that you're in Nevada, so it might be different from state to state, but, uh, let's say that someone goes through a divorce. Let's say someone goes through a highly contested divorce. They go into the marriage with a, with a trust. Uh, and now the, the, uh, their soon to be ex spouse is trying to argue it or, you know, trying to make a claim, claim on it. Yeah. So it depends obviously state to state, personal circumstances, jurisdiction as well. But typically how that works, if you come into a marriage with your own trust, you have your own trust, that's typically your separate property. And as long as during that marriage, and again, this is very generalized, um, during your marriage, you gain community property if you're in a community property state or you gain marital assets, if you will. But if you have come into the marriage with separate stuff and you've kept it separate, you haven't commingled it, you haven't transmuted it is what we call it into a community asset, that should still stay remaining your separate property. And to really, really ensure that is that prenup. And Kanye was right. Please give us a prenup. We all love prenups. Like they're a wonderful document. I always ask this to everyone. I always ask everyone who comes on here, do you think that prenup is, you think it should be uh, mandatory? Do you think that should be for everyone or everyone should consider it? Yeah. What, what are your thoughts on it? 100%. 100%. I mean, it's like, I always say, tell people, I go, you know, it's just like when we fly in an airplane, we get the safety briefing. We don't expect the plane to go down, but I'm sure very happy that I have that, that, that safety briefing. It's exactly that for your marriage. You are contracting your relationship in a sense that when you're happy with each other, you like each other, you still want to provide for each other. There's also that transparency aspect of it of what are we coming into this with? What do you have? What do I have? How are we equal? Are we feeling like we're a little bit off? How do we deal with money? How do we think about money? How do we think about children? Who's going to raise the children? You know, all of these things that we want to think about when we're happy, we're in love, we're wonderful, as opposed to now we're bitter, we're pissed, we're, you know, angry and spiteful. Um, it is a wonderful thing to have because there's no, there's no bitterness anymore. You're like, here's our, here's our roadmap. Here's our safety briefing. We got it here. Everyone agreed on this when we were happy. There's nothing to us to fight about. And that's where the estate plan comes along with that and works very well together with that because of course we don't expect to get divorced, but that happens, you know, and that's where the estate plan comes in is that you can provide then for each other in the event that you do pass away with that separate property that goes into that trust or is de de determined to go and to be distributed to your spouse at that point once you pass away if you're not divorced at that point. So they're uh, they're great compliments to each other. I love I love I love estate planning and I love prenups. <laughs> and, and you know, it, um, it, both of us have been in the courtroom enough that we kind of know that kind of really kind of lets the judge know. Uh, where things are, where things are headed or where things should kind of head. Um, because what happens uh, a lot of times is, is that, you know, if you already have a plan in place and there was a direction of where your estate plan was, was headed and going and, uh, and you had a clear direction, it makes that, that you take that the potential of the judge potentially, right. I've, I've heard of, you know, horrific cases, but they're few and far between in my, in my experience, but you know, it, it takes the guessing work out of the judge's hands, right? Where they kind of say like, you know, well, yeah, since they were X amount years old before they were married, they've always been 
planning this out and that really didn't change here. And, you know, that this is, you know, this is the way that they, they were building their life. And so, um, you know, so it makes it to where it's going to likely end up being more favorable. I, I remember there was a situation with someone who I was working with that their uh, ex was trying to, you know, argue a trust and this and that. And it was something that was established long before they were even, that they had even ever met. And yeah, it was a little bit of back and forth and in court because yes, they are going to hear the other side and yes, they're going to give that person their time and give them their attention. Um, but ultimately we have to understand that, yeah, you're again, you lose out a little bit on attorney's fees, that sort of thing. Yes. You know, but that is, uh, much better than, you know, your children losing out on their inheritance. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just, it just, it makes it transparent. You know, everything is laid out for you exactly that. And yeah, there might be some wiggle room and we might think about things, but for the most part, it's, it's laying that roadmap for everybody to follow. And, you know, let's be real, like in a, in a marriage, there's two things. There's an emotional relationship and there's a business transaction because yeah. that's that's how it works. And so if you can yeah. take that as a side is the part that no one wants to talk about. That, yeah. You take that emotion part out of that. Everything's wonderful and rainbows and kittens and puppies. That's great. But let's provide for life happening and let's make sure that those things are talked about and transparent and upfront and that business relationship, treat it just like that. If you're going into with somebody you didn't know and you're doing a business negotiation, how would you negotiate? It's the same, same. Yeah. Okay, absolutely. Lindsay, you are an absolute wealth of knowledge. We appreciate you being on here on the show. Um, you have shared so many knowledgeable gems. I think that people are, I've definitely learned a lot today too. Uh, if you could tell people where they can find you at, where they can support you, obviously everything's going to be down in the show notes, but you know, as we're listening, someone might be running and, and just um, trying to figure out where, where they can find you at um, and, you know, and where they can work with you at if they're in Nevada, if they want to work with you nationwide as well. Yeah, absolutely. So my big kind of soapbox is making estate planning affordable for everybody because everybody should have access to this. And so I have um, a couple different options with I created your estate plan online to exactly do that. You have a do-it-yourself option at a very affordable rate. We even offer payment plans, frankly, because I want to make sure everybody is taken care of. We have a do-it-for-you option where I basically do all the documents for you. You get them in your inbox the next day. So that's great. Um, but yeah, pretty much we try to do all facets of availability for people because justice just shouldn't be for rich people, you know, or, or people who are connected and being able to do that. We like to educate and provide those services for everybody. Um, especially, you know, some of our minority communities, disenfranchised people who don't maybe necessarily have that accessibility. So we like to make sure that that happens. So you can always find me at highseerlegal.com or highseerlegal on all the socials or yourstateplan.online and then your state plan um, on all the socials as well. And so my tagline is always, when you think about death, think of me. So that's a, <laughs> you search that too, that should usually come up. <laughs> I like that. Uh, and if you guys are listening to this, doesn't matter if you're watching it on YouTube or listening uh, on your favorite podcast channel, you can go down to, into the show notes. All of Lindsay's information will be there as well. So make sure you guys uh, also comment down below and uh, and tell us something that maybe you have learned from today's episode. Some a takeaway that you may have learned from Lindsay. Also go over to her uh, go over to her social media. Make sure you guys show her some love. Send her a DM. Uh, and, uh, and I think it's good, good space for you guys to learn a lot about estate planning as well. With all that being said, thank you very much. This is the Matt Pfeiffer experience and I will see you in the next episode. You guys have a good one. Thank you.